Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Morning, Roxy Soxy. <gasps> Good morning, Tam Tam. How you doing? The first thing you said to me was, <laughs> "You have become full mountain woman." Yes, yes. <laughs> Just because I'm wearing a hoodie. <laughs> and my hair's out to my ears <laughs> i love it every picture i see of you now or like a video like when we're doing the podcast a little more mountain each time a little more a little more a little more today you were like i am full mountain woman and i actually am here for it i love it my husband has a ponytail um, i saw that me, legit ponytail right legit full ponytail oh and he goes to me God. the other day he sits in he's sitting in front of the fire in a uh-huh. like little wooden cabin he goes don't you like a manly man? <laughs> I'm going to start chopping wood. Isn't this what you wanted? And I was like, um, you kind of purported yourself to be someone who like wore like nice crisp shirts and had a suit on. So I didn't know that I was fully signing myself up for this life. Imagine David growing a ponytail. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I'd probably start putting my daughter's like barrettes and stuff in his hair and like the ponytail holder. <laughs> So now what happens is everyone is vying for those friggin' ponytail, hol- you know, like See? the ponytail holders. I'm like, it's- who's got my freaking ponytail holders? <laughs> I know, between Phoenix like, and Sean, you're like- And who- Lennon. There's too oh, many women ours. in this house. Oh my God. <laughs> and that was for you, Sean. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we also are in this sort of never ending election week, which by the time this runs, we may or may not know who our next president will will be. If we don't know by next week, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) But I, but I have eaten all the snacks, all the snacks. And then some, how about you? I've eaten all the snacks. I bought apple pie, which I haven't eaten apple pie in like five years. Um, but apple pie, I'm just eating. But what happens is I fall asleep at uh-huh. about one or two a.m. in the morning, and mm-hmm. then I start going on TikTok. And TikTok is really amazing for a like if you want to laugh about stuff what's happening in the election. Mm-hmm. TikTok is the way to go. Like I've, I'm fully there for it. Fully there for it. Yeah. So it's been it's been an interesting week. I'm excited. I'm hopeful for the future. Um, yes. I. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a dawn of a new day very soon, and I'm excited, and I'm here for it. Yes, I'm here for it. And let's let democracy play out, right? Let's let democracy play out. Yes. Yes, and what an amazing election for you. It's your first election to vote in, Tamman. It's my first election. It's the first yes. time I don't have to say on my social media when they say, go back to your country. It's the first <laughs> time I can say, this is my country. <laughs> I love it. You're like, you're stuck with me now, guys. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. I'm talking about somebody else who lives in this country yes. and is yes. a citizen of this country and is someone that is super inspiring. Who do we have? today. Oh, oh my gosh. I am so excited. This one I have been talking about for a long time. I'm so excited that she is here. We um, we know her story so well. I'll give you her full name, Elizabeth Ann Velasquez. I hope I said that good. <laughs> <laughs> she's a motivational speaker. She's an activist. She's an author. She's a YouTuber. She did the most incredible TED talk, one of my top five that I've ever seen, ever seen. And funny too. Funny, so funny and on the spot funny because that cannot be easy when you're given a TED talk to be like also funny, you know? Yeah, you and I would be <laughs> shitting out pants. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So after much ado, we're so excited to welcome Lizzie Velasquez today. Thanks Woo! for having me and thanks 
for pronouncing my last name exactly right. Oh, I How love it, know, Roxy. Uh, you, you know, know what? I, I think it's that Texan in me. You know, I'm from Dallas, yeah, so does. it yeah. must be the Texan. Okay. It has to be a Texan thing. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, we're so excited to have you. Um, I know, like many of our listeners and our viewers, know your story, but for some who don't, um, just to give them a quick like overview, um, you were actually born with an extremely rare congenital disease that among other things it prevents it prevents you from accumulating body fat and gaining weight um, oh, okay. but i wasn't officially diagnosed until the age of 25 mm -hmm. and i'm 31 now i don't know why i think about that i'm 31 now oh. and so what i officially have is called neonatal prodroid syndrome oh okay yes for short um and it's actually made up of two conditions so i have okay. One is lipodystrophy. So part of that is correct. Um, mm -hmm. And with lipodystrophy, it basically just doesn't allow me to gain weight no matter what. So that's okay. really all it does. Um, the other thing that it is made up of is Marfan syndrome, which I found out is pretty common. But the type that I have is very rare and specific. Okay. And so with that, it affects my eyes, my bones, and my heart, which of course is, you know, the scariest part. Mm -hmm. So basically with my heart, I run the risk of my aortic valve rupturing, mm -hmm. which is obviously very scary. And there is a slim chance that you by some miracle when it happens, make it to a hospital and get it fixed. But it's a very, very small percentage. Um, I'm not one of three anymore. Mm -hmm. I know there are other people who have it. I'm not sure if there are men and women who have it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where they're from. My doctor obviously isn't allowed to give me their information. Mm -hmm. um, but I do know there are more people um, outside of the U.S. who do have the mm -hmm. ex sort of the exact same thing that I do. What is it like? Because the world can be so hard. What is it like mm -hmm. on a day-to-day what is a day-to-day -day version of your life? What is it like to live mm -hmm. in the world today? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very normal compared mm -hmm. to what everyone else is doing. I live a very, very independent life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's how I was raised to be able to mm -hmm. figure out how to do things on my own. And I think with my stubborn personality, I'm going to figure out how to do it. Uh, for example, the wall behind me, mm -hmm. I painted the wall by myself during quarantine and built new furniture by myself during quarantine. And so there's things that I'm not able to do because of my size, mm -hmm. which is obvious. Mm -hmm. But other than that, my life is so normal. I'm blind in one eye, which does make things a little bit more difficult, but it's the only thing that I know. The thought of seeing out of two eyes completely blows my mind. Mm -hmm. I feel like you see way too much at one time. I don't think I'll ever really... <laughs> So interesting. Mm -hmm. Two eyes, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but other than that, everything is, is pretty normal. I mean, going to elementary, middle school, high school, college, mm -hmm. figuring out, you know, living on my own, coming back from college and then deciding that I want to buy a house at 25 years old. Mm. How am I going to do this? I know nothing about home buying or mm -hmm. credit or anything, but I'm going to figure it out. And I didn't let anyone else help me. So mm -hmm. other than that, you know, life is pretty normal. I'm just mm -hmm. a bit smaller. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think in reading your story, you know, I think giving so much credit to your parents who really, if I understand correctly, they sort of raised you without any, you know, you were just raised just like everybody else, which is fantastic and amazing. Um, and I know like, you know, but also kids once kids start school, especially can be mean, you know, they can tease, they can do all these things. When did you notice, like when you first started going to school that there was any sort of difference? Oh, my mm -hmm. first day of kindergarten. Really? Day one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was my parents' firstborn child mm -hmm. and everything was completely normal the entire pregnancy. It wasn't up until six weeks before I was due that they did an ultrasound and saw mm -hmm that I stopped growing. 
Mm -hmm. My mom had an emergency C-section. There was mm. no amniotic fluid around me. So they have no idea how I came out alive mm -hmm. and screaming and meeting all of the normal test scores that I guess newborns have to have. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I was born into this world and immediately from the second that I came out, the doctors didn't have back then a way or anything to look at to say, oh, this is what your daughter has. So, you know, here's what she can do. Here's what she can't do. So instead mm -hmm. they just said, here's all the things that she will not do and mm -hmm. cannot do from the moment I came out. And so mm -hmm. my parents who were first time parents could have easily just freaked out and said, why us? But they never did. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're going to take her home and love her and raise her to the best of our ability. And so at the time, my dad was a very new bilingual first grade teacher. Mm -hmm. My mom worked at a daycare and she was going to have to, of course, stay home with me because I got sick a lot when I was young, but they didn't want me to grow up secluded at home. Mm -hmm. even at a very young age. So my mom started babysitting um, at that time. When she stopped working, she started babysitting um, one of my cousins who's a few, who's about a year older than me. And then another family friend who I now look at as my first best friend, mm -hmm. he started watching her when we were both six months old. And they raised me so that I was around other kids and they took us mm -hmm. to the zoo and they took us to restaurants and they took us to all these other places. And mm -hmm. my family um, is, we're Catholic and we're very, mm -hmm. very involved in our faith. And so I had my church family and I had, you know, my regular family and I had my young friends and mm -hmm. mind you, I'm still a very young kid who doesn't really understand much, but growing up, I was never, I never felt different. I never was treated differently, even though there were people in public who would go up to my parents and just say, why aren't you feeding your daughter? Mm. What's wrong with you? Mm. You know, or mm. at the grocery store, I would notice when people would follow us just so they could stare at me. And so I knew those things, but at the same time, I was just Lizzie and there was like nothing different. I wasn't aware that I was different or looked different because I was treated so normally. So it wasn't until my first day of kindergarten when mm -hmm. I was obviously treated very differently mm -hmm. um, from kids who had never seen me before because as we all know, kids have no filter mm -hmm. and they're afraid of what they don't know. And so I was afraid because I didn't realize it either and they didn't mm -hmm. realize it either, but they didn't wanna you know, play with me or be around mm -hmm. me because I didn't look like them. And I, I couldn't, I didn't understand. What do you mean? I don't look like you. Like I, I'm, I'm just Lizzie. Mm -hmm. What does, so do you feel like you've always had self-love and happiness? Because I know a lot of girls growing up and I've struggled with it myself. Like you, you have like this self-loathing that you spend a lot of your years trying to get over. Um, have you always had a good sense of self and have you always felt happy or is, was that a, was that a road to get there? Oh, it's still a road I'm on today. Mm -hmm. I think it's still a road I'm going to be on for the rest of my life, no matter how many good or bad days that I have. Mm -hmm. um, I, I went through a period, mostly when I was in middle school, um, going into high school to when I was more, more realizing that I can't wish this body away. Mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. use a face scrub to magically make me look like everyone else. I can't blow out my birthday candles and say for this new year, I wish that I can fit into clothes just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think the frustration and the resentment of why can't this happen? Why can't I have control? I think that's the thing. I think I, I was frustrated mm -hmm. that I couldn't have control over it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was hard. And I was angry and I had nobody to blame because obviously my parents didn't know I was going to be born like this. And they weren't intentionally making me born in this body so that I could be bullied or feel, you know, negative about myself. And so it was just a time of, confusion and resentment and anger and really having without realizing at the time realizing that this is the body you got 
Mm-hmm. Either you're going to learn to love it or you're going to be miserable the rest of your life and be unhappy with yourself. Now, at the same time, I'm still a girl and I still mm-hmm. have days where I'm frustrated, no matter how much self-confidence that I have. And I'm annoyed or feel like I'm having a bad hair day or I'm, you know, whatever it might be. So I still have those moments of, you know, the normal frustrations about yourself, but there definitely was a time where I just was not happy. You know, you've really taken, you know, taken this and you've really used things for good and to help other people. Like we mentioned in the, in the intro, you know, your Ted talks and on social media, I mean, I follow you and I look at your stuff all the time and I love it. You, you know, you're so open and honest on social media and in your Insta stories. And like, if you're feeling down, you tell people you don't feel good, you know? And I think that it's so important to be so transparent like that. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, hard because you know you've got that but then you also have like the social media trolls and the bullies and so how do you sort of reconcile you know deal with these people who you know hide behind a keyboard and you know say these things and keyboard warriors yeah keyboard warriors but you still are so true to who you are and you are so positive and you make people feel so good so how do you kind of you know deal with that I mean, I've been dealing with this since I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So this is something that is now just a part of me and it's a part mm-hmm. of my life. And it's come in waves and it's come in very unexpected times. And, mm-hmm. you know, back when I was 17, I didn't have a platform that I could re- like tell people, hey, this is what happened, you know, and have people either relate to me or be there for me or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. It wasn't until, you know, a few years later when I finally decided I'm going to turn on my camera and I'm Mm -hmm. going to make a YouTube video and hopefully use this camera as a window for people to sort of peek in to see, you know, that I'm not just the world's ugliest woman or I'm not just the girl who can't gain weight. And so doing, I think it's a combination of me really figuring out Mm -hmm. myself but in a way that I was still sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. But I think that for many, many years, once I started realizing, because I, I started speaking when I was 18 mm-hmm. years old, um, and I just spoke around Austin for free, uh, mm-hmm. just because there was only so much that I can learn from watching people do it online. So I would go out and you know figure out what's my speaking style going to be. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until a few years later when it started, you know, becoming my career and I was going to college and doing all of these things that I started really realizing, okay, there's people who are relating to me. I'm gaining more followers. This is really great. They're mm-hmm. really looking up to me because I'm posting about being positive and, you know, inspirational things. So in order for me to keep doing this, I can only post positive. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, I'm going to lose credibility Mm -hmm. or they're not going to believe what I say when I do say I'm positive and they're going to say, oh, well, the other day you were upset. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I only posted stuff that was positive when in reality, I'm typing these captions while I'm crying about something else. Mm -hmm. And so that lasted for a really long time. And it wasn't until after my TED talk went viral in Mm -hmm. 2014, I guess, the beginning of 2014, uh, we did a Kickstarter to raise money for the documentary. And then throughout the process of filming, I was (laughs) very unexpectedly diagnosed. And Mm then we, you know, we're doing the whole film festival circuit and doing all of these things. And it was like the height of my career, (laughs) the height of everything going on. But then everything sort of stopped and it slowed down and I absolutely hit rock bottom and the guilt set in of, let's see, a movie being made about your life and people are going to lose you to see your your story and you're sitting here and you're crying and you're feeling sorry for yourself. And Mm -hmm. it was just this moment of, I'm still posting about being positive when I feel the lowest of lows that I've ever felt in my entire life, no matter what I've gone through. So after that, once I got really good at hiding how I was Mm -hmm. feeling 
And once my family and my close circles started realizing what was going on, I started Mm -hmm. slowly opening up about it, slowly telling more friends about it, then slowly decided to start talking about it in my speeches. Mm -hmm. And once I got comfortable with that, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do social media, if I'm going to be real, Mm -hmm. I have to show both sides of this. And so I slowly started posting about, you know, not feeling confident or posting Mm -hmm. about feeling sick or whatever it might be. And the reaction that I got was completely surprising and Mm -hmm. just so heartwarming and relatable. And Mm -hmm. ever since then, it's like, I'm an, I'm an open book now. Mm -hmm. It's all about authenticity. And I think that there was this great quote that said, like, if you are showing your followers things that are not true mm-hmm. in how you're really feeling in your life, then you're left with a lot of depression and anxiety and guilt and self-doubt because you're putting out a false highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And I do it too. I'm on social media and, you know, you look at the one picture that doesn't look as overly happy with your mouth open and like having the best day with your kids. But those moments are great, but they're often moments that are very small increments of your day with a lot Mm -hmm. of other things that are mixed in, um, that are ingredients to your day as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that. And I think pain makes us, um, like you said, relatable, but also, also authentic, you know, no one goes through their life unscathed with pain. My friend texted Mm -hmm. me the other day and said, I've had such a shitty year, Mm -hmm. but I know other people have had worse. And I said, you know what? You're allowed to feel valid in your own pain. Like if you've had a shitty year, like Mm -hmm. that's okay. Like you've had a shitty year. That's you're allowed to feel like that's worth something, you know, Mm -hmm. and for other people to hear personal pain. Absolutely. Right. And it's also not a pain competition. Like your pain is worse than mine. So mine isn't valid, you know? And I think that when you post that stuff on social media, people go, Mm -hmm. oh, excuse my French, fuck, I'm not alone. And that's Mm -hmm. really what it's about. I think we live in this, I don't think, I know we live on this big rock where everyone's like, how the hell did we get here? (laughs) We're very lucky out of all the chances to actually be here that we're the people who are walking on this earth right now in this moment in time. And we want to feel like we are connected to other people and connected Mm -hmm. to other individuals and that we're not floating out in the ether and no one's going through the same thing as we are. So I think sharing that is such a wonderful thing. And talking about social media, I, I was, I just joined TikTok (laughs) and um, you know, one of these challenges that was going on and you were the spearhead to get this shut down. And I thought that that was incredible that you did it because Mm. when it started happening, I thought it was really, um, just really hurtful to a lot of people. It was when um, uh, kids were being shown people's faces uh, for their new school teacher. Mm -hmm. And those faces were not faces that you like people who have like a disease or um, are drug addicts or Mm -hmm. um, they have you know, whatever it is, it was, it, it, it was a face to make the kid say, be confused. And I thought, it was such a horrible challenge Mm -hmm. and you stopped that. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah. Well, I will, I will say I, I didn't realize until like after I spoke up about it, I think like two days later, I was like, I just took on one of the biggest apps out there. (laughs) Just like, what was I thinking? Like, I'm so happy it it turned out the way that it did. Um, But I, joined TikTok over quarantine and I was mm-hmm. one of those people that was like I'm not gonna get on it like I'm not gonna like it mm-hmm. that's forward everyone's stuck at so home. great yeah. <laughs> it is a great distraction All yeah. I can scroll. so I started seeing this challenge happen and when mm-hmm. it was when it first started showing up it was the face FaceTime prank mm-hmm. um is what it was called. And so, like you said, it was set up as a FaceTime call and the goal was for parents to show their kid, you know, the, the photo and say, this is your, your new teacher for the school year in hopes of getting them to either laugh or be scared. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw it, I knew right away, like I knew I was going to find it or someone was going to tag me in it and my picture was going to be used. 
I was just quietly waiting for it. And of course it was a Sunday night at like 10 30 or 11. And I was laying down and someone tagged me in it and I saw the video and it was a mom showing her son, my photo. And he was scared and she was laughing. And I, I do, whenever these things happen to me, I have like a set group of friends that I sort of just like send it to right away. Like when I'm like heated about mm -hmm. something, like, I can't believe this. And so I sent it to them right away. And I was like, should I say something? And it reminded me of, of last, it was actually a year. I found it at the beginning of October and it was mm -hmm. a year exactly um, to, I accidentally got a message on Instagram from a verified news anchor um, who replied to one of my stories on accident who was meaning to send it to a friend and said god that's ugly but sent it directly to me oh and so god. i did this it was the same thing it was at 10 30 at night i found it sent it to my friends and said should i say something and it just kept bugging me and i was like it's october it's bullying awareness month i have to say something you're a public figure so i posted it anyway it was just, did they get fired? No, they didn't. And it was actually a dad um, who, who did disgusting. it. And so it just, it became this whole thing and was, they wanted me to go on. And I was just like, no, thank you. Just wanted to like, you know, no matter who you're sending this to, just be aware that it's a person who's going to see it. And unfortunately I saw it and we can give you the benefit of the doubt that you didn't mean to send it directly to me. But anyway, it was, the whole thing and so mm -hmm. with this TikTok thing it was the same scenario mm -hmm. and so I didn't post about it I sort of just like left it and then I tried to go to sleep and I could not sleep because I kept thinking about it mm -hmm. and so I got up at 2 a.m <laughs> and I put on a sweatshirt put my contact back in and decided that I was going to speak up because I mm -hmm. realized that there was when you looked up the, the challenge, there was over 3 million views to all of the videos that were happening. And it was like, it was a new trend. So there was just more and more videos coming in. Mm -hmm. And it was photos of babies who had Down syndrome. It mm -hmm. was photos of, you know, adults who were disabled. Mm -hmm. It was photos of people who were going on Google and finding these mugshots, which in my opinion, <laughs> these people that they're Googling, no matter if these photos are Photoshopped or whatever it might be, they're mugshots, you just put someone in front of a gray wall and you can change all of these things and th make it look like a mugshot. And at the end of the day, it's a human who's going through a really hard time mm -hmm. and you're making fun of them. And so I posted the video and basically just said, if you're an adult, this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. It's not funny. Like the, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to remind you as a fellow adult <laughs> to not make fun of other people. It just doesn't make sense. And so I posted the video. I went to sleep. I felt so much better. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I woke up and it was, it was everywhere. Oh my God. Well, what is also so disturbing about this whole story is that so many of these people that participated in this were parents with kids and yeah. no telling what these kids are learning. I mean, if this was just one example, no telling what they're learning at home. And, um, you know, I think too, uh, as social media users, especially young people, um, you know, they bank so much of their worth on their image and on their appearance and their using Facetune and they're doing all of these editing apps and apps you know so dangerous yeah man. dangerous yeah yourself, just yeah they're self-worth yeah they're changing everything about themselves creating almost new people so what would you say to those young people that are so obsessed with how they look and and think that that is their worth you know I mean I think it's it's such a reminder and something that you touched on earlier is mm -hmm. Instagram and social media in general is a highlight reel of people's lives. And mm -hmm. you see a very quick few minutes of a moment that happened that is probably being highlighted by more filters and making it look like a happier time with brighter colors. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that that's not reality. Mm -hmm. It's not real life. And yes, you are, you know, posting 
posting your real life on social media. And yes, you are the people in it and that does make it real. But at the same time, showing who you are and showing the real true version of yourself is so important. But at the same time, I know that that's so much easier said than done because we see these social media influencers who mm-hmm. have massive, massive followings. And, you know, the second they start a new trend or the second <laughs> they start wearing their hair different or whatever, everyone else is doing it. And so it's that self reminder that you have to take action and value in yourself personally, no mm-hmm. matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. It's an action that you're going to have to commit yourself to do. And, you know, when I, when I was going through figuring out how to really love myself, I, mm-hmm. I wrote a list that I called the love yourself list. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it down and I wrote everything I liked about myself, whether it was physically or my personality. And I taped it on my mirror in the bathroom. So when I was getting ready, which is the time that a lot of us critique ourselves mm-hmm. and I posted it on the mirror and I was reading this list until I actually believed it. And so being mm-hmm. able to really believe what you like about yourself will eventually translate to social media to social media, but you have to be willing to put the work in. Mm, yeah. What does beauty mean to you? I, I look at the world and I just, I have two young daughters and I said to my husband the other day, he said to my daughter, he's like, oh, you're so pretty. Cause you know, to the father. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Like, I don't, I want to focus on all the things that she is like, you're such a good listener and you're such a, mm-hmm. you're such a, a kind person and you're such a, you know, a, a caring sister and all these things. And I think as we grow up, we've all these words and these buzzwords and in the media and, you know, in our families and our friends, it's just like, we start to value a specific ideal of beauty for so mm-hmm. long Mm-hmm. And if we don't change the ideal of what beauty is, we're all going to feel unhappy because mm-hmm. at some point we're all not going to be in that ideal. We all get older. Um, yeah. You know, if, 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 if aging is unattractive, then we're mm-hmm. all going to be unattractive at some point. <laughs> yeah. right. You know what I mean? If, if, yeah. if love handles or uh, stretch marks after having a baby are mm-hmm. unattractive, then if you have a kid, you will be unattractive at some point. So what is beauty like I like what is this thing that we're all trying to attain that Mm -hmm. we never feel like we will ever get there well also just to make a quick point the people that are this you know goal of beauty and who you see on these magazine covers don't actually look like that when they wake up in the morning so like the whole thing is like so contrived beauty is owning uniqueness and owning what makes Mm -hmm. you different for me beauty isn't being normal Beauty mm-hmm. isn't what beauty isn't looking like everyone else because you sort of just blend in. Being unique and owning whether you have two different colored eyes, being mm-hmm. unique and owning whether you are in a wheelchair or if you're blind or mm-hmm. if you don't even have something that's different about you that people can physically see, whether it's a learning disability, whether it's anything that's just different and makes you you, to me, that's what beauty is because Mm -hmm. it's so special to yourself. And when I think of someone who is beautiful, I picture someone who is so proud and confident in the skin they're in. Mm -hmm. And someone who is at the very same time being so confident, still so vulnerable and still so willing to say, Mm -hmm. you know, like this isn't who I am all the time. And I do have, you know, bright and dark days. And so- Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just, that's how I see it. Starts with our kids, I think, you know, it starts with the conversations that we have from, you know, they say that kids by seven, they really have like a sense of self, whether it's good Mm -hmm. or bad. And if you're consistently and constantly saying to your seven-year-old, oh my God, you're so beautiful. You got such beautiful hair. Oh, when you brush your hair, it looks so stunning. Oh my gosh, you're, you got a cute little, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, I remember growing up and like when I hit like 12, I had to be small. I had to lose weight. It was like so important to me because then I would feel 
worthy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I hadn't read all those magazines and watched all those shows, I mean, there's all these little messages yeah. that are in our kids' cartoons. For example, mm-hmm. my kid was watching a very well-known cartoon and it said, oh, don't be like uh, whoever the bug, he's fat. What? And I thought, and then she came to me, something like that, or chubby, chubby, he's chubby. Something like Same that. Thing, yeah. And I, and I mm-hmm. yeah, and I, it caught me off guard because now I have children. I'm so aware of it. Mm-hmm. Right. If we don't, if we're not aware of it, we just let that stuff keep seeping into our children's brains. And then my daughter Phoenix came up to me and she said, am I chubby? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be chubby. And mm-hmm. it starts with everything that our kids are hearing from the beginning of their lives. It mm-hmm. takes that tiny seed. So this, this, like it gets me onto this, just hearing that gets me onto this whole thing. Cause my, I've had this, this, this dream to do a project for kids, mm-hmm. but the way that everything timed out with graduating college, then my TED talk, then the documentary, then the book, and everything was just sort of, you know, amazingly planned out and coming to me at the time. This past year, everything sort of just slowed down, obviously, for everyone. And I feel like it's, there's just all signs pointing to this, this kid's problem. Mm-hmm. I want to do. And so something that even with the whole TikTok thing, I felt like this was such a sign um, for me because there's such a, there's a thing when, when kids see someone who is different, mm-hmm. how do the parents react? Mm-hmm. Whether they're in public or whether they're at home, whether they're watching a cartoon, how do the parents react when the kids see someone who is different? Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned earlier, kids don't have filters. They're afraid of what they don't know. And we can't blame them for that because mm-hmm. they're young kids. But what we can do as adults in their life is teach them how to handle certain situations. For example, if there was someone who I feel like I, I sort of still, I don't want to call it PTSD, but mm-hmm. I, I, I get, when I was younger, I, I was always afraid to be around kids because I knew that they were going to stare or point or say something. Mm-hmm. And so even mm-hmm. now to this day, I, if I see a kid, I still sort of go into this shell, I guess, of like mm-hmm. wanting to sort of shy away just because I don't want them to like stare or say something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what I want to be able to do is be that lesson for kids when it comes to seeing someone who is different. Mm. How can that, how can I do that? That comes in the form of creating characters in a kid's book series mm. or in an animated series. And those kids are in a wheelchair or they are mm-hmm. blind or they are mm-hmm. adopted or they have parents who are gay and mm-hmm. being able to show them that these are different types of people, mm-hmm. but they're still cool. There's still, you know, characters that you can look up to and, and hoping that once kids, whenever they eventually go back to school, um, <laughs> are around each other and, you know, see each other, that hopefully that lessens the bullying that is happening in schools mm-hmm. or at the playground because they have the understanding already going into situations like that and knowing that even though they look different, they're just like them. Yep. You know, I think it's, no, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I think you're right. You know, why not? Absolutely. What's dating like in quarantine and Austin right yeah. now? Is that something that's on on your mind? Is that something that's on your mind? Are you getting like, ideas, Tamman? Is that? I, oh, <laughs> here, I'll leave the husband and the kids uh, back in the apartment in Austin, yeah. and I will go and look for you. That's around. what I thought. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I mean, I guess that's different for me in general, just because. Back when I was in my early 20s, I went through Mm. this phase of dating where I was like, I have to prove myself to you first Mm -hmm. that I'm just like every other girl. And it was this extra, like, I want to get to know you, but I also need to prove to you that even though I don't look like all the other girls, I'm just like all the other girls. So it was just like a whole added mess Mm -hmm. until you know I got older and realized how dumb that was that I didn't need to do that at all I just needed to be myself Mm -hmm. and so then it got to the point where I was sort of dating when I had the time Mm -hmm. because my schedule was so insane I was only coming home for a day or two to you know unpack and then go back and travel again Mm -hmm. but then I started 
meeting you know celebrities and then it started being oh you know so and so or oh i saw you took a picture with kylie jenner do you know her or oh i i saw this and then it was just like okay i'm done for a while i just right. i'm not mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't well, i don't want to deal with this and so now mm -hmm. now it's like i'm 31 mm -hmm. i'm super independent if it comes mm -hmm. along it does if it doesn't mm -hmm. you know whatever but it's just yeah. the initial the dating apps and the whole getting to know you hey mm -hmm. how are you blah 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 that whole thing it gets old really quickly <laughs> well too like, i don't want to do it you know you too you are a celebrity so i would imagine like people can you know try to connect with you through social media or like these dating apps and and you yourself must get recognized a lot too i mean and when we're not in quarantine yeah i do and I, I i always joke with my family if i wear like a hat that day and i'll get uh -huh. recognized and i'm like i'm nobody can see me i don't know how they recognize me i have this hat on i'm not recognizable at all um but yeah i mean it's it's it comes with the territory and i mm. think it's it's just it's different now because more so in the sense that when i would go out before and i would see people staring it was because they were staring stare mm -hmm. and then now i don't know if they're staring because they know who i am or if they're mm -hmm. staring because they're you know don't know who i am want to you know they're curious i guess mm. before we do our game um what are what is three things you want to tell young girls about self-love mm -hmm. acceptance um and how like how how they can really path uh, pave a way for their own ha happiness mm -hmm. i think the first thing i would tell them is that self-love is not easy mm. and i'm not going to sugarcoat it and say all it takes is for you to look in the mirror and say love yourself because it's not that easy it's hard but it's a journey that is so worth it and it's a journey that might not have a destination and that's absolutely okay as long as you're willing to stay on it mm -hmm. as long as you need to that would be the first thing. It's not easy, but it's mm -hmm. a journey. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing would be you are going to go through so many different phases in your life. And you're mm -hmm. going to look back when you're younger and think, I can't believe I thought these things about myself. And then when you're older, you're going to realize, you know, things are a lot more simple than you once made them when you were 13 or 14 years old. And so really owning and realizing that things are going to change. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's what the world is telling you to feel about yourself or what you're telling you to feel about yourself, it's going to be different and you're going to have to be willing to just roll with the punches mm -hmm. and learn as you go and take every <laughs> negative moment and try your best to turn it around as best as you can. Um, I think the third thing would probably be You are who you are for a reason, hmm. you know? We are all here on this earth for a certain purpose and your purpose isn't just to be here to look pretty. Hmm. Your purpose is to be here to hopefully leave a lasting legacy mm -hmm. on this earth. Mm -hmm. And what that legacy is gonna look like is up to you. Mm -hmm. And you can do it and you have so much more strength than you realize and so much more determination than you realize. And as long as you're willing to sort of accept all three of those things, you can change the world. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you mentioned the children's project that you may be working on mm -hmm. next. Will we see you back doing another TED Talk? Will we see you working on another documentary? Not what is in the what does the crystal ball say? <laughs> um, so the TED Talk. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually I've been speaking many years before my TED Talk, mm -hmm. and the TED Talk I actually made up as I was going. Um, Did you really? Yeah, I'm oh. not a planner. Okay. I don't, it freaks me out. Uh -huh. um, I, I go into speeches just sort of going with my gut and telling mm -hmm. myself you're talking to your best friend. Um, and so the fact that that talk went viral was pretty crazy because I mm -hmm. was just sort of making it up as I was going. And there's a part where I sort of lose my train of thought. And it's, again, because it was just sort of stream of consciousness. Uh -huh. I have no clue where how do you define yourself came because I've never spoken about that before. 
Um, so that whole thing was pretty crazy. So I don't, I mean, who knows, maybe one day I'll do a TED talk again, but I think I'll put too much pressure on myself feeling mm-hmm. like, how can I outdo that one? I remember like, you know, uh, hearing something, I think from um, Elizabeth Gilbert that said, sometimes you do your top work and you're so afraid because it was so good that you just yeah. paralyze mm-hmm. yourself and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. But then that is not a way to live. You have to keep doing what you're meant to be doing on this mm-hmm. earth, regardless yeah. if it's the top or, and it's only the top of the bottom to you, not to anyone right. else, but right. you know, you have yeah. to continue doing that work. Yeah. That is pretty incredible though, that you just went out there and did it like with no planning and no, you know, yeah, I mean, I still, I, when I did it, I didn't really know what Ted was still at the time. I didn't really understand it. Who's Ted? Where's this Ted? When I got the initial email and it said oh. TEDx Austin, I thought mm-hmm. it was spam. Because I've never That's heard of incredible. Ted Austin and didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my dad and I was like, oh, I got this weird email. I like it's fake or something. And he's like, what are you talking about? I thought this has been in the newspaper. I can't believe it. Like, I'm so excited they asked you. But anyway, um, who knows? Maybe I will do that. Um, mm-hmm. I've. It's been a very different year for me having to do speeches at home. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I go off of the audience mm-hmm. interaction. Um, so I'm still going to continue to speak and, and, you know, do those type of things. Writing? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I feel like four books has been a good number. <laughs> and Maybe stand up. Yes. Maybe stand up is in your future. A lot of people have told me that. Yeah. I, I, honestly, it's just how I was raised. Like you mm-hmm. just have to be quick on your feet to have a good comeback mm-hmm. so talking about quick on your feet we have a game of, for you that's gonna yes. be quick on your feet yes okay. yes are yes. you ready i'm ready are you ready it's called never have i ever so if yes. you haven't so done ready. this thing you yes. need to say never have i ever okay <laughs> all right <laughs> okay never have i ever not showered more than three days Ooh, that's a long time. Three days. <laughs> yeah, it is. Although I don't wash my face before, in three days because of the election. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, so if I have, like, if I have done that, uh-huh. then I just say I've done that. I have. Yeah. yeah. I mm-hmm. have done that, but it was because I was in the hospital. Okay. Okay. So you Does had a really good count? reason. Okay. Yeah. When you have a C-section, you don't wash yourself for a week. That's right? true. We did not. You also don't poop for like a week. When that you was have fun. a C-section. Fun times, right? yeah, fun yeah. Times. See all the things you have to look forward to, Lizzie. <laughs> In the hospital, they said to me, they're like, you have to fart before you leave the hospital. I'm like, George, I never thought that I would ever thought that I would hear. And so my husband had to like uh, get me to meditate and hypnotize me so I would fart because I couldn't do <laughs> it. So funny. He was like, you're feeling the fart. Come out. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> See, it's all fun and games. It's all fun and so games. <laughs> okay. Never have I ever had nightmares about this election. I have. Have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did you deal with it? Did you did you eat your way I through? I mean, cried. <laughs> I cried and I had a glass of wine. Yeah. Oh, Sounds like my tonight. recipe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's morning. I know. The election's still on. It's good. Wine's good for any time during I mean, election. We call it day wine and night wine, right? Okay. Yeah. I love it's it. Chardonnay, Chardonnay for the day. Right. Welcome to the third Tuesday of the week. Yeah, right, exactly. I did not drink during this election because I was like too afraid of being miserable. So um, I'm going to drink tonight. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> okay, never have I ever, oh my gosh, watched TikTok until... 2 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh my gosh, I have, and I regret it every single time. Oh, so bad. You can't stop, right? No. It's like I get like a, like you're in a trance. It's so weird. I totally believe. I say to myself every night because I text Roxy at about midnight, mm. and then <laughs> at midnight, like one twelve oh five, I'm like, do not go on TikTok. Do not go on TikTok. Do not go on TikTok. And, and I say to myself, I'm just gonna do four videos, and by one fucking 30 i'm still awake <laughs> and i get so mad at the app like the app is forcing me to stay on it 
but I just can't stop. Like I get stuck in this little world of Yes, it's true. Well, speaking of social media, okay. Never have I ever, because of this pandemic and going on social media, known too much about Justin Bieber and Hayley Bieber's marriage. Do you, Roxy? (laughs) Never have I ever. No. You don't? You don't keep up with the Biebers? No. Leave it to Bieber. Roxy's like, oh my God, I know too much about Justin Bieber. I know. Oh, like, no, I, I know too I much. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm not into that, and I'm not into The Bachelor. Neither oh, am I. Really? No. It is a slippery slope. I am slope. into Married at First Sight, though. I kind of love that one. Wait, is that the one? Either. Wait, which one is they the one? They get married. Where... Literally, they've never met each other. Okay. And they all get paired up. It's like, and so they walk down the aisles the first time they, they meet <gasps> each other, and they have to be oh, married yes. for, I think, three months. Uh, that might be wrong, three or six months. Okay. Um, and then at the end of it, they all sit on a chair, and they go... Now, the final results. <laughs> do you want to stay married or do you want to get a divorce? And then they both look at each other and then the one goes like, I want to stay married. And everyone's like, yeah. And then the one goes, I want to stay married. The other guy's like, I want to get a divorce. And she's like, oh. ah! It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good show. That actually makes me so happy. Like that show makes you so happy. It, it, you, sometimes you need things that just make take your mind off, you know? Do you yeah. want to get married? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to get married? I wish we had the, that, that opportunity, Roxy, to be yes. like, okay, three months of whatever you want to do, and then do you want to stay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Second marriage. Next one. Next one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, last question, Roxy. Okay. Roxy. Okay. Never have I ever, ooh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. <gasps> ooh, never have I ever eaten expired food. No. Never <laughs> no. I never have. What, you not gotten so desperate in quarantine that you're like, screw I eat, it? So my, I, I have the appetite of a five-year-old. So oh. I, like every, all of my friends' kids that come over, my pantry is, is a big pantry and it's uh-huh. full of just like kid food only. Mm, yummy. I know. My sister moved, my sister lived with me for two years uh-huh. and she's very meal prep, healthy. Mm-hmm everything anti that I eat and she left <laughs> and she came over the other night and she was like what is this what are you what are you living <laughs> off of I mean you can live off of peanut butter jelly and chicken fingers I'm just saying it's I so good God, what are you? she's like wine and chicken fingers for breakfast during the election oh my gosh after when I turn 21 I don't I usually only get kids meals because my stomach is really small so I get mm-hmm. four really quickly mm-hmm. and plus I'm super picky so mm-hmm. as long as there's like a kids meal kids menu mm-hmm. with like wine I'm good you and my husband are and my husband are very compatible. I'm like, yeah. you don't need to eat this food. I've never I get had a salad in my life. I don't know oh. what they taste like. Why start? No, exactly. <laughs> Why start? Don't even start. You are on the right track, my friend. It's like all the good things. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Lizzie, so much Yay! for joining us. Oh, Lizzie, we love, we love you. We love your message. We love all the things that you do. Um, and we are so grateful and honored yes. to have you on our show, Women on Top. Yes. And babe, where can everybody find you? Okay, um, babe. Okay, <laughs> oh, you said that to me. I thought you said that to me. I was like, you never call me babe. I was like, why don't you ever call me babe? I'm so offended right now. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll start. My new nickname. Yeah. Um, I'm just little Lizzie V across everything. Okay, perfect. And you guys should definitely follow her, especially on Instagram, because you have the best stories. Yes. Oh, thank Love you. It. Yes. Thank you. And we are Women on Top official babe on instagram no no well we babe we are women on top official on instagram and babe we are women on top podcast on facebook and babe i'm Tamin sarsock and babe i am roxy manning and we are women, women on, on top babe Say goodbye 
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.